Welcome back to Podcast Recovery, everyone. We're your hosts, David O. And Eric B. Today we are joined by our very special guest, Christina. How are you doing today? I'm great. Excited to be here. Awesome. So uh, where are you from, Christina? So I am originally from Cleveland, Ohio, but I always laugh. I, my husband's in the Navy, so we have lived all over. Uh, we met in San Diego. We lived in Florida. He's from Texas. So I just joke we've hit all the posts. Nice. And I currently um, am going back between uh, Cleveland and Virginia. All right. And uh, when were you first introduced to recovery? Yeah. So um, I would say so I've been drinking since I was like for 10 years. But I, in the last year, I had tried, I used a, uh, I use a mixture of things I'll talk about. But mm-hmm. AA has been my primary mode to recovery. And I would say about a year ago. Um, I'm sure this is pretty common, but I went in and out of the rooms and I was mm-hmm. still drinking, um, you know, during that. But yeah, I, I was introduced, um, yeah, about a year ago. Awesome. And uh, how long have you been sober? Yeah, so February 3rd, 2020. So I have been, I, I laugh, I'm like, all of my time sober has literally been in COVID. So that's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that was one of the first things I thought about it. I was like, ooh, that, that'll be yeah. definitely an interesting uh, interesting uh, mm-hmm. thing to talk about for sure. But uh, right. without further ado, we're going to turn it over to you to share your story with us. So take it away. Yeah, well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate being here. So that's a good transition just into my story is I, I'm i really passionate, actually, about sharing my story just because there's two things. I feel like a lot of people don't hear early stories in recovery. Like, I feel like we hear a lot of people that have, like, eight years, five mm-hmm. years, whatever. So I wanted to share the you know, the early on um, stages. And so I actually turned to blogging and Instagram to do that. Um, And then the other part was I've seen a lot of people relapse and like struggle with addiction during this time. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is a really challenging time to get sober. So I I try to share that. But um, so, yeah, I will take you back. Um, I didn't start drinking surprisingly until I was 21. Um, Ooh, late late bloomer. What? A late bloomer. I know, I I know. I've heard so many AA leads, and I'm, everyone's like, "Oh my God, started at like 15, 14." And I'm like, "Oh my goodness!" I mean, honestly, thank God that I just—it wasn't in my family. I grew up in a pretty religious household, so um, evangelical Christians, so it's pretty strict. And then I uh, went to a Christian college, and mm-hmm. I know this is going to sound nuts, but we really didn't drink. Um, I mean. You know, here and there. And, but when I did drink, I blacked out. So mm-hmm. I'm sure looking back, that's, you know, a sign. Um, but then I would say fast forward to, I got a job um, right out of school. And then, you know, happy hours would turn out till 2 or 3 a.m. type thing when everyone else had gone home. So I would say heavy drinking from like 23 until I'm 31. So until um, this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but... So the drinking really picked up when I uh, moved to Florida. Um, I went to live with my boyfriend and who's now my husband, but um, we, so Florida, we live in Jacksonville and uh, mm-hmm. it's just a big drinking state. I mean, I guess everywhere, you know, big cities are drinking, but like, let me tell you, Florida and oh, here yeah. on the beach, yeah, it's just hot, right? So you're just kind of like, beer and like, Drinks on the beach is like what you do. So I, Florida um, is, yeah, I mean, Florida's I, a weird state. Like when, oh. 
you usually hear just ridiculous news stories of just Florida man caught doing and then whatever. Yeah, totally. And honestly, like stereotypes exist for a reason because it was a nut. It was just nuts. Mm -hmm. My whole year was like, honestly, in a blackout from like Thursday to Sunday blackout. (laughs) So, um, but here's the thing, like there was two things going on with that. I, so like I said, my husband's in the Navy, huge drinking culture, huge. Mm. Um, Uh and then obviously Florida. So I guess three factors and then just being young, right? Like I was 25. So Uh you just put two together, three together and everyone around me was drinking. So I just never, I don't know. I just never identified it. Right. Like I was like, Oh my God, well they drink more than me. Right. Like Uh I can't be an alcoholic. So I just didn't think about it. Um, so then I moved home from my husband went on like a, a nine month deployment. So I went home to Cleveland, um, to live there, you know, with my family during that time. And I just continued to drink. Mm-hmm. And it was bad. It was real bad. I was drinking. I was a weekend warrior, like they say, yep. <laughs> and maybe not drinking on, you know, during the week, but yeah, blackouts on the weekends and then driving drunk, you know, doing the things we do when we're drunk. Um, and so I would say I was 25 and I don't, I'm sure you guys, you seem open to everything, but mm-hmm. my story kind of like goes hand in hand with mental health. Like I, I can't, you know, like it's just mm. chicken before the egg, you know, type thing. Yeah. But um, I was drinking, um, ended up in the hospital, not because of drinking, but I'm sure it definitely didn't help but mm-hmm. for an anxiety attack. And then I had suicidal ideation. So I was like, I need to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, so I stayed there three days, got out, did a short stint of sobriety, probably, I mean, honestly, like a week. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, they said, under, you know, no certain terms, can you drink on your new medicine? Um, but I didn't listen to that. Yeah. And so I kept drinking, um, and then I moved to Norfolk, Virginia, about two years after that, kept drinking, um, kept, and yeah, so I have bipolar and panic disorder. Um, bipolar and, and, and what? It. Yeah, what was the second bipolar thing? Bipolar and what? Panic disorder, so like panic attack. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I obviously, like, right, like, alcohol and drinking is like doing a lot of things obviously messing with your brain chemistry but like they met and i i feel so stupid looking back i was like my medicine's not working right so i'd like go to the psychiatrist up it right and, and then um but i'm drinking every day so of course it's not fucking working uh-huh. <laughs> really not, not rocket science but yep. anyway um, so yeah, so, and then last, so fast forward a little bit last year at this time, it just, you know, continuously drinking weekly. Um, but I went to the hospital last summer, um, again for a suicidal ideation, but again, drinking a ton. Um, and then this past January, I laugh, but I love, I don't know about you guys, but I'm sure you have some funny stories and you know, from your drinky days, you kind of have to laugh at some of it, but, yeah, of course. um, you know, I mean, what else are you going to do? Like, it, it is, honestly, in hindsight, some of the shit's fine. Yeah. Um, but, um, so I was drinking at home with my husband. He went to sleep. I went to my neighbors, drank with them till two. They went to bed like normal people. I was in my slippers and a bathrobe and took my wine glass and just walked up and down my street. I mean, I'm hammered, like blacked out probably. Yeah. I, I remember some of it. You know, I just knocked on people's doors at like 4 a.m. And was like, hi, are you up? <laughs> And I just found someone that was oh up in his God. backyard. What? 
Oh, that sounds... That's amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I can visualize okay. all of this, and it's great. Wait, continue your story, though. Continue. Go ahead. It's so funny. And you have to see me, too. I'm like the little petite blonde, right? Like, walking around at 4 a.m. I don't know how the cops didn't catch me, but... Um, so, yeah, this big wine glass. I go up to this house, and there's, like, there's lights on in the back, and there's literally a gate that says no trespassing. So I thought, oh, great. Well says welcome Christina so I just hop the fence set my wine butt down hop the fence walk around to this guy's garage in his backyard and I'm like hi my name's Christina I mean if you guys can't tell I'm pretty extroverted so um you know this guy's name is Chuck we just drank till 7 a.m together he was drinking whiskey and coke and he got me more wine and um so, but the, the caveat to that is I had just gotten a job working for a politician. I work in like communications and politics, actually, like mm-hmm. political campaigns. I had to go to this fairly, you know, um, I don't know how, prestigious the wrong word, but important person in the city I live in. Mm-hmm. And I went to her house, hammered, chip-faced, and um, had a meeting with like a bunch of people that I was supposed to be present at. And... You know, obviously, I don't remember a lot of it, so I'm sure I, I don't even want to think about what I did, you know. Anyway, so I got home, got done with that meeting. It was probably like 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. And just walked to a bar that was open, right? Because I just, I'm so drunk. So I'm like, you yeah. know, I'm sure you got, I don't know if you guys that goes. Um, and so I did. I went to a bar. My husband found me because he was tracking me at that point on my phone. Thank God. Um, you know, came in and was like, we, you have to come home. And so... I came home for a few hours and had gotten that guy's number that I drank with the night before. And I was like, I'm going, like, I'm going to go hang out with him. And, you know, he, we got in this big fight and I left. And so I hung out with this guy again all night. His wife came home. She was a meth addict, almost took meth. Um, you know, anyway, long story short, I did a binge of like two days drinking and I just came home and I was like, I've never done this before. Like I, I'm out of control. And mm-hmm. so, um, that was, you know, my rock bottom moment. And my husband and I were like, you know, for the sake of our marriage, like you, you need to get help. So, and you know, and, and he's, he's open about this, but he was drinking too. And a lot, and both of us were playing off each other. Mm-hmm. So we were both, you know, it, it, the best decision for us was I needed to go home. So I left Virginia, um, and moved back to my hometown of Cleveland, um, to live with my grandma who has probably had like two drinks in her life. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Can't imagine that, but good for her. (laughs) Um, And so of course as addiction goes, I'm thinking, Oh, move home and it'll be fine. And you know, I won't drink, you know, the addiction goes with you basically. And so I kept drinking um, for about a month. I moved there in January. 2020 and uh, kept drinking continued to drive and my family did an intervention which i back then i was super angry about but they took my keys mm-hmm. and i got a card and it was good like I, I was at that point right like i was sneaking out i mean it was bad like there was enough for me like i know it sounds dramatic i needed it that was i needed that help and so anyway yeah um so i i got myself into treatment um like an outpatient program and ironically enough, this is the day of my last drink. Um, so I did an outpatient program that, you know, that day we did a, like an intake, right. Of like, you know, all the questions about my past and mm-hmm. it triggered me. So I, I went and did what I do best when I don't have, you know, my coping mechanism and I drank. Mm-hmm. Um, and my grandma found me of course. 
and because uh, they were tracking me on her, my phone, and I was at this, like, you know, like a BJ's, you know, like an Applebee's type restaurant, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there um, by myself, and because I, I am a bar fly, I never really drank at home. Mm-hmm. I, I like I'm extra, like I said, so I go to the bar, but sitting there, and I have to tell you this part's funny. I so I don't have a debit card, right, or keys, so I have to walk anywhere and everywhere, and. Um, so I, my grandma was taking me to AA uh, pretty re- religiously because I'm trying to go to AA as much as I can. And so I used to lie to her and say, like, hey, can I have a couple dollars for the AA donation basket? And I would take it and hoard the money. And so I literally bought, like, the shittiest Budweiser beers, like two or three beers, and with the dollars from AA that I was supposed to be giving to the donation basket. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, and I and then I found that the guy down the bar was flirting with him. Not you know, not proud of it, but I was you know what you do in addiction. Mm-hmm. And uh, my grandma found me. He wasn't even super drunk. I was on. I mean, I would have been, but I was on drinks like three or four. And you know, she's like, "What are you doing?" You know. And the day after that, I entered treatment. Um, so February third is my sober date. So I went through uh, treatment for about six weeks outpatient, like three days a week. It was life changing. And I mean, I was at that point where I needed that accountability. Um, you know, I used to sit in the class and think about going to drink and, you know, of course, and I'm sure that's pretty normal, but I, uh, they, we had to take drug tests, you know, like every day. And Uh I swear that, you know, that's the thing that really got me over the hump of the first month of sobriety. Um, was knowing that because you could get kicked out of the program if you, you know, tested yeah. negative or, or positive. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, so that worked, right? And then since then, I've, you know, I've been going to AA, got a sponsor. Um, crazy enough, though, my first sponsor that I ever got um, relapsed um, after 10 years of sobriety uh, in COVID. So mm. um, I had to find that, which was hard, you know, I'm scary. Um, and so then I had to find a, another sponsor that I still have today, which, and I love, which I love. Um, and I do all my Zoom or do all my meetings on Zoom, which is hard. I'm an extrovert, like I said, so it's kind of, I prefer being around people. But, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a ride. And I think, you know, I, I, I mentioned this before, but I have used a combination of things to stay sober. I use, um, I'm not sure if you've heard of Tempest by Holly Whitaker. Have you heard of her before? Mm, I don't believe so. It's called Tempest? Yeah, T-E-M-P-E-S-T. She wrote um, a book really cool called Quit Like a Woman, and it's weird. It came out the month I got sober. And so basically, it's an online sobriety school. Mm-hmm. Um, you pay, like, you know, there's certain levels you can pay. And so I took sobriety school for a month, and that was life-changing. And there's, like, a theme every week. So they go through anxiety and recovery plans, and, you know, they, like, match you with, like, a counselor. So it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do, and now I'm part of something called the Luckiest Club. Uh, with Lauren McCowan, and it's just the same thing. It's, she does online recovery meetings. Mm-hmm. But I pay like $9 a month to be part of that. So I'm just you know, bringing all that up to say, like, I do the old school AA, but I also, I've just really leaned into the um, online Instagram. And I've met all these people through Instagram. So nice. Kind of, I'm buying the old with the new. Yeah. <laughs> and then here we are. <laughs> all right. Is that, is anything else or is that it? 
Oh, that's kind of it. And I mean, well, right now, so I, I visit my husband. I will say I'm proud of myself. We went to our first. Um, mm-hmm. I did just come back from Washington State, um, the Cascade Mountains and uh, Mount Rainier. And we went to a wedding for hit buddies who got married, dual military. And mm-hmm. it was a booze fest, like the whole weekend. Yeah. And, you know, we both didn't drink. And I was so proud of myself. Mm-hmm. So that is a huge milestone because... So in eight months, I have not been around a drop of alcohol. So I was worried, but I did great. So Awesome. Um, yeah. All right. We definitely have some questions for you. And I'm going to go ahead and start, <laughs> Eric. Uh, first question is, uh, um, is, your, is your husband staying sober as well? Yeah, he is. He has a sober date of a month behind me. Awesome. So, all right. And- I know. I'm so blessed. You know, he's, it's one of those, like, I don't really, he doesn't identify as an alcoholic, and honestly, I don't really care about labels. Mm-hmm. Um, I, For me, it's interesting. I think I've heard you guys talk about this, but um, for me, it, it worked for me because I, I so like, I was diagnosed with a mental illness. For me, it was like freedom. Like, okay, this is disease. It's treatable. And that's kind of how I look at, like, substance abuse disorder, alcoholism, whatever you want to call it. It's like, mm-hmm. okay. I'm not broken. This is an actual disease. But anyway, so yeah, he doesn't identify that way, but he's sober. He doesn't use AA, but I don't care. I'm like, whatever. Everyone's past recovery is different, and I would never um, tell anyone different. So, uh, yeah, but we're sober together, so I'm very grateful. Awesome. Yeah, so, like, I had a follow-up question. So, how has recovery worked uh, with both of you being in early recovery and what are the, like some of the, the benefits and strengths uh, that have really come from that to really help both of you and really like springboard both of you in your like sobriety and in your recovery? Yeah, great question. So I always laugh. I'm like, I wonder, I'm like, is it better that we're both like deal with alcohol because we can understand each other or is it worse? But anyway, it's, I think it's been really good, honestly. I mm-hmm. think, you know, it improved our marriage a hundred percent because you can imagine like when you're drinking, I mean, at least us, we fought all the time and, and we're pretty easygoing people and like really don't fight that much when we're sober. I mean, we do like normal mm-hmm. people, but we were screaming matches. I'm divorcing you. <laughs> like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So that's the first thing I would say is like the fighting has just gone down immensely. And then, um, we're both just, the other thing is we're both really active people. So like, I'm a big partner, he's a runner. I'm like, so we have started doing things together again, right? Like when you're hungover, drunk, you're not working out. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, so we've, we've gotten that aspect of our lives back. And, um, and then the other part is just not worrying about the other person. Mm. You'd always have to worry about me like, driving home drunk. And, you know, so I would say overall, I've been lucky. I've heard a lot of spouses say they've gotten sober and how, you know, their partner hasn't, but Mm -hmm. we, we supported each other. Like I said, he doesn't utilize all that I do. Mm -hmm. Um, which is, he's doing great on his own. He's very supportive of my, my program. Uh Awesome. All right. Cool. What you got, Eric? So, um, Christina, where are you right now on the steps? Yeah, so I am on my fourth step, interestingly enough. Um, I need to, I'm going to actually do it with a sponsor when I get back. Um, 
But yeah, I'm there. I made a list of my resentments and took my personal inventory. (laughs) (laughs) I was dreading that one. I don't know why, but it wasn't as bad as I thought. So, um, so I guess like, so my question is going to be, describe the process of going through your first three steps and how those have helped build the foundation of your recovery today. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, you know, the first step was, it was interesting. Like I think for a while, like I, I went to the, you know, AA, um, and was like, I'm not an alcoholic, but I got a problem with it. Mm. Um, and it was hard for me to take that first step, but I think once I hit that, I told you guys the, you know, the rock bottom, I realized like, I'm not working. I can't work. Like clearly my life is unmanaged. So, um, so yeah, I mean that, that one took me, took me a long time to get to, I would say about a year, but once I did, it was like freeing because I, I was finally like, I'm done. Right. Like I just surrendered. I, 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 so that was actually a powerful one for me to, um, came to believe in a power greater than myself or ourselves. Um, it's interesting. I mentioned, I grew up in a Christian family, pretty, pretty strict. Um, I, I, wasn't allowed to watch TV, couldn't listen to radio. Like it was, I went to a Christian school. So it was, yeah, I was very sheltered. Um, so saying all that to say, I walked away from my faith. Um, didn't really denounce God, just didn't really, you know, do anything with church one way or another. And I will say that AA brought me back to some kind of faith to a God and then perfect transition to a God as I understood him. And I'm okay without defining that, if that makes sense. You know, I have my faith. I do believe in God. I'm still wrestling with if I believe I'm a Christian or not, you know, in early sobriety, I'm still figuring that out. But, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so I'm, uh, yeah, I, uh, the first three steps have been life changing for me in the sense that it also set me back on a spiritual path. Awesome. All right. Um, Hmm. Do, do, do. Which one do I want to go with? All right. Um, so you talked about like right before we started, like most of your recovery being during COVID. And I, I think for everybody, that's uh, been a very unique challenge. I won't I won't say the go to word that everybody's been saying about COVID. Stop looking at me like that. Eric. What, what is that? Unprecedented. These are unprecedented yeah. times. Oh, I, I th- we're in in recovery. I'm way out of the loop. You, like, dude, you were looking at me like I had three heads. I was like, come I was on. Like, what are you I was talking like, that about? is that is the word. It's like COVID unprecedented. Yeah, this is unprecedented times. It's just I don't watch the news, so I have no idea. I know, but you hear it everywhere. Really, you don't see it on Instagram or anything? It's, I feel like there's lots my, of memes that say those. My Instagram yeah. is very curated to be yes, um, it's very pointed to be cats. Um, dogs <laughs> and cool art and like photography and that is it like no like okay. you know like my personal Instagram but yeah 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 cats and dogs mainly <laughs> you're what such you think the first one cats you, cats and dogs okay oh I love you already I have two cats I'm a huge cat mom <laughs> um Aussie corner quick shout out my favorite Instagram right now. Australian Shepherds. Australian Shepherds. Okay. Yeah, nice. It's adorable. Adorable. Okay. You're, you're you're such a people's person, Eric. 
So anyway, so with these un- unprecedented times in COVID, um, yeah. what are some of the challenges? Because I know like um, a, a, a lot of people have really been missing out on that, that in-person recovery and like the whole Zoom meetings and everything has been uh, a, a really big adjustment for them. But you, you talked a lot about like finding people on Instagram and stuff like that. So have you yeah. have you have you felt any sort of disconnect from uh, having like socially distanced recovery? A hundred percent. I mean, so I found my home group and it took a while, right? Like I, I went to tons of different meetings. Is, and it, I finally a, found, is it in Ohio know, or Virginia? Yeah. In Cleveland. Okay. Yeah. I, I did it. Um, and I finally found my home group and I literally went there for two January, February. Yeah. I mean, I went there two months and then COVID hit and they shut down the meeting. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that was super hard. I mean, because I had just made friends and like, like I said, I, I'm a social person, so I, I prefer in person. So yeah, that's been super hard. Um, you know, and, and, and Ohio is very, has been Cleveland where I'm from has been pretty strict. So there really are no, yeah, in-person meetings. So yes, that's mm-hmm. been very tragic. Hmm. All right. What you got, Eric? So going back to your spirituality, um, and saying that you, you know, you were brought up Christian and you're okay with not defining God at the moment or your perception of a higher power. Um, I, I came up atheist um, or agnostic okay. when I was, uh, I mm-hmm. guess I'm agnostic now, but I'm guessing, I, I'm assuming it's easier to come into recovery with a background mm-hmm. in religion but how are you wrestling between the, the, you know, not connecting the two? Like, that religion and fellowship are separate. Because, I mean, you're, you're mentioning how, you know, you're, you're not sure if you want to go back to that faith. So, like, what other right. avenues are you looking at right now? Yeah, um, a lot, actually. I've been on a, gosh, a spiritual journey for sure. I think... Like you said, I actually, I so I do watch a church online. I did start going back to a physical church when I was in Cleveland, but of course it shut down. Um, and it was, a, you know, it was Christian, but then I'm also in recovery, and I'm sure you've heard this. I think even your last guest mentioned it, but I've really tapped into Buddhism. Um, mm-hmm. I just started reading a lot of Thich Nhat Hanh and, like, Tema Chodron, and, um, and that has just been life-changing for me. So mm-hmm. I would say it's been multifaceted. I've looked a little into Hinduism, so I, I kind of am just, like, c- combining it all, making my own journey, and I'm Absolutely. loving I'm loving discovering different things, right? And I'm really loving the freedom from, the, you know, the strict Christian path that I was raised on to look at other faiths. Mm, nice. Awesome. All right. And uh, my next question kind of goes into that. Um so I kind of have uh, my own personal, totally unsubstantiated theory about uh, people. Who, don't look at me like that, Eric. Um, hmm. People who grow up in, I don't know, sheltered or strict households or very religious households um, tend, at least in like the recovery community, have a connection between that and their using. So kind of like when you're when you're that 
like sheltered for so long, the pendulum kind of swings the opposite way and you're kind of experiencing mm-hmm. all these things that you weren't able to experience before. You know what I mean? Sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So do you think uh, part of your early drinking career was sort of that pendulum effect of really getting to experience all this new stuff that you really didn't uh, it, at earlier points in life? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because, yeah, I mean, I was very, like you said, very sheltered, so I didn't go to parties, wasn't around alcohol or drugs. And so I think, you know, I think it's interesting. I didn't go wild in college. Like I said, I really didn't drink that much. But Mm -hmm. I think, you know, in my early 20s, I certainly did. And so I think I had had this perception when I was in school of, like, have to be the good girl, right? Like, that was always kind of my... uh, I don't know what my reputation, what I was known for. And then (laughs) when it became, you know, a young adult making my own money, living on my own is when my addiction really reared its head. So yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, a rebellion might be dramatic, but it was just more of like a breaking free is for me more so of like ditching that. I don't have to be good. I I can make my new own identity. Yeah, totally. And uh, the the name of my theory, Eric, is the Catholic schoolgirl theory. It, mm-hmm. It's a, it's a fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a fantastic theory. It, it, so yeah. it, it just it just seems to be a thing, you know. Wait, so did yeah, you no. buy and, your first drink, Christina? Um, no, I I got drunk at. Where did I drink? Oh, I was in college, just a typical like college party. So okay. Um, Do you remember what no, your first I drink was? Oh my god, I don't. I really don't. Oh, I do. It was vodka, just straight vodka. And no. it was like a water, or a, and no wonder I pe- I literally took like three shots in a row because obviously that's what you do. Yeah. And I remember being like, you know, I can't feel this. Why can't I feel this? And so I just kept taking it until I puked and then blocked out. <laughs> so, nice. That's, a, that's about accurate. That's metabolized, you know? Yeah. yeah. Everyone's college experience, right? Like I'm kind of universal. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta space out your shots unless you're doing the three wise men, and then you just gotta knuckle down and uh, you know get it done. Which well, is, I mean, it all depends yeah. on the situation. You know, yeah, yeah, it was all de- depending on the situation. Also depends how much are shots at bars. You know, oh, these God. are happy what hour. A racket. What, what a I mean, racket! What, those well, were. But, I mean, that's a real thing, though. Like oh, when, Wednesday night, Ellicott City used to do that, right? Oh, of course it did. And it's like, all right, it's nine o'clock. Let's go up the street. All right, it's eleven. They got dollar beers here. Yeah, like, dollar you know, rail shots. Yep, dollar yep. rail shots. Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I know about. exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Hundred percent. So, we're dege- we're everybody out there listening. We are degenerates. <laughs> it's, all, it's all based on situation, man. Former degenerates. Um, all right, is it my question now? Yes, it is. All right, so um, recovery, in my opinion, is not just about addiction. Um, and you right. mentioned you have uh, bipolar and um, a panic disorder. What are yeah. you doing for your mental health? Uh, you know, especially if you are, you know, if this is like the beginning of your recovery journey, I know how difficult it can be with bipolar um, or like anxiety disorders to start during this time and then also getting sober at the same time. So what are some of the methods you're using for that? Yeah. Oh, so good. I love sharing about this. I, um, I mean, the number one, I, I, I'll list a few, but I mean, I'm on medicine and I, I, I love talking about it because I feel like there's still 
you know, even though we've come a long way uh, with stigma, there's just stigma. So yeah, I go to a psychiatrist regularly. I have a therapist I talk to um, twice a month, even though I would like to talk to her weekly, but she's like, we're getting codependent. So, we need to um, so yeah, so I, I talk to a therapist and then um, exercise. I know that that might sound funny, but um, it's, you know, once I got sober, I started running again. I've been a big runner. So I run or walk or bike like every day. And if I don't, um, I, I can feel a noticeable mood change. And then um, now that I'm sober, I do a night routine and a morning routine that involves meditation and journaling. Mm. Um, and yeah, yeah. And then read. I'm a like voracious reader. So I love, like I'm reading a book on rewi- rewiring your brain, um, nice. like using your own. Yeah, so like, because I also should say, I plan to go back to school to become a therapist um, because of all my experience. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I'm constantly, all the things I, I just dated, and then a big one is reading. Like, I'm, I'm actually just genuinely, like, interested in mental health. Um, one, because it impacts me, but two, um, I like it. I like psychology, so a lot of things oh and meetings calling my sponsor every day that's a big one that helps a lot actually oh yeah um, you had to say that if the sponsor heard you you'd be kicked out it'd be no good <laughs> like you had to say the party line for sure i know i'm a i'm a, hey, look, I'm a good i i was raised in the you know family, like kind of i know i know what i gotta say right like yeah i, I know i gotta yeah. of course yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> and anybody out there listening, we're totally kidding. If you don't mention your sponsor, you're not going to get kicked out of anything. It's, right. It's tongue right. in cheek. No, that was good. Um, right. My total, my, my mind totally went on a tangent. Like I was, I was listening to you, but when Eric said dollar rail shots and you said you like saved up like your dollar money for the AA meeting and you were like drinking Budweiser, I was like, why weren't you doing dollar <laughs> shots? What are you doing? I was like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm not proud of it, but this is actually another. I, I don't, I'm trying to mention this, but I always say like, you know, so I go to happy hours, right? And like normal people would shut down or leave at like six, well, or probably like seven or eight. Mm-hmm. I would just be getting started. Like I would literally like hold the glass of wine, be, keep it together, right? And then I'd find the random ass person that wants to stay late and like go out till two or three, and then find the shithole bar that was open till seven a.m., which they do exist. It's kind of couple of those um but anyway i looked around and i was like yeah i'm 31 like everyone's home like a husband or kids and like i'm continuing the party like this is not good yeah so oh totally but um along those lines uh, with you uh technically taking like aa money to go drink with how have well you're not there yet, but do you think that that will be a part of your amends process? And how, and how wow. how would you potentially go about that? Wow, that's really powerful. I like you said, yeah, I'm not on that step, but I it's, I don't know if this is normal, but I definitely have a list already of who I want to make amends to. And now, thank you. I got to add that. <laughs> but um. No, I got, I didn't even think about it. I mean, the first one would definitely be to my grandma because she was giving me the money. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then honestly, my home group, uh-huh. I think, I don't know how I'll go about that. I may just tell my sponsor, you know, type thing, but uh, yeah, I mean, I do, I probably do owe an amends to them or just the group as a whole. Mm-hmm. Sure. 
because that's, you know, of course it wasn't like hundreds of dollars, but it was money that was supposed to go to a great organization that I just mm-hmm. literally used it for the worst thing you could. But yeah, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Well, trust me, you're not the first person or the last person to ever do that for sure. Truth. Yeah, good point. Thank you. Yeah. I'm telling you, that's what I love about AA because I feel like they come in and I'm like, I've said this before. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed I did this. And people are like, are you kidding me? Like, that's yeah. nothing. You know, exactly. I love, I freaking love people in recovery because it's really hard to shop any of them. But yeah, like, um, th- that, that camaraderie in the room, um, about just in insane behavior is it, it's a it's a great thing because it, it really makes you feel welcome and at home. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. I would say that's a big power of AA. It took a lot of the shame and what I'd done away. So yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, like walking down the street in a bathrobe and a glass of wine is hardly <laughs> the worst thing anybody has done in, 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 in any room of AA. Like I like right. What's the craziest thing you've done drunk, Eric? Oh, man. Um, Let's just commiserate in our craziness right now. So so one of the worst ones I had, I was 16. um, And I played Madden shots, which I do not recommend anyone do. What is Um, that? So every time you score... You take a shot. Oh my God! In Madden, in Madden, oh and then, Lord. Uh, we also had a shot glass that went incrementally up um, for quarters. So my friend oh my and I, we were sixteen, and we we finished oh. the bottle, and um, then I walked to Seven Eleven. We passed out behind the Seven Eleven, and then I blacked <laughs> out, and I don't really remember what happened. But my friend said I was like claiming the medium like a pirate and i was like i was like this is my land and he was like we need to go home and i was like no this this is my i i don't know how i didn't get arrested definitely got alcohol poisoning um yeah blood vessels didn't burst that time though i did have a time where yeah that's that's probably one that's not as terrible as like some of the other ones are that's amazing though yeah it has some like yeah it has some levity right it's not like yeah, there's like yeah, yeah. It's funny. You gotta laugh. Yeah. I love hearing it. Right? Funny. Like I love that's that we hilarious. don't laugh at each other. Exactly. Probably. Oh, publicly. What you, David? Yeah. See, I did was. You, did you shit in a golf hole <laughs> or something? Like what? What's? Uh... I was so much more. <laughs> I was so much more destructive. Um, you didn't have like these cute like things now where people would be like, "Oh, that's no, that's cute." Like, like you, you, yeah, that like, medium was yours. Yeah, bat- yours was more like I took a baseball bat and started bashing all like the mailboxes and shitting in golf holes. Yeah, that's why I'm trying to find something that was like cheeky and humorous. Okay, uh, well, this is something that I, I did routinely. We would go drinking and driving, and we would like you know those like election signs and stuff like that, or. Yeah. And, any sort of like small little stick reflectors on the side of the road, we would, we would steal those on our path of, uh, drinking and driving, put them in the car. And then we would all go to my girlfriend's house who was in the car with us at the time. And we would stick them all in her parents' house, their front yard. So they would just wake up and they would just have this mass amount of like reflectors and, and real estate signs. And, and they just didn't. And it, it happened for like a good two years. These people were just baffled. That's hilarious. So one time. That, that does remind me 
Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just thinking of like grabbing random things and putting it in random. Like, so yeah, I used to work at Sam Goody and we used to have like cardboard cutouts of like actors and musicians. Oh, this is going to be good. And one time I took, um, Martin Lawrence from, I think it was big mama's house, but it might've been a different movie. Um, (laughs) but I had like a six foot cutout of Martin Lawrence and I got home and I put it in my parents' room while they were sleeping. <laughs> so, That's hilarious. So That's they hilarious. just woke up to Martin Lawrence like standing over them. <laughs> <laughs> Is that sober that you did that? Uh, I, I mean, I wasn't sober too often in high school, so I doubt it. Yeah. But... Um, <laughs> That's but amazing. still, it was it was a good one. I, I enjoyed that one. That is a good one. Oh man, that's great! All right, all right. So my my final question um, is a fun question. So you have sort of been um, by marriage a little bit of a navy brat. So you've been all over the country. You said. Um, right. So my fun question is: is uh, what are some of the f- funny or strange or quirky aspects about different parts of the country. Cause we obviously talked mm. about how crazy Florida is. Mm. Right. I love that. Um, so I mean, San Diego, I don't know if you call it funny, but I mean, everybody was, I, I use the word crunchy, like vegan, right? Like runner biker. So that was kind of an annoying, you know, I don't know if that's quirky, but yeah. that was interesting. You know, and then, I mean, Florida in general, yes. Like, the Florida man is a thing where, like, people are drunk and using meth and, like... Yeah, and stealing... So yeah, like, know, taking that. alligators for no reason. Yeah, well, seriously. that Yeah. And then I will say I, a weird experience I had in Florida was I'm from, like, like we've mentioned, Cleveland. Like, mm-hmm. I got called a Yankee, a Yankee all the time. Um and so, it, because people were like, oh, you're from the North. And I was like, mm-hmm. what? And, you know, I was like, oh, the baseball team? And they're like, no, you're a Yankee. And I, it was just the strangest experience yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then living in Virginia, um, I would say, you know, I love Virginia. I will say, I live like by Virginia Beach, if you know where that is. Mm-hmm. I live in Norfolk, but close to Virginia beach. And, you know, so this is, it's called Hampton roads. It's like a big area, but, um, it's here. It's different just because it's 50% Navy. So I, I don't know if there's any quirks just because literally everyone is from somewhere else, you know, so yeah. kind of, you do. You Everybody, everybody's a transplant. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So it's kind of like, yeah, I've met like my husband's from Texas. Right. So it's like, I'm from, like, it's just all of our friends are from all over the place. Mm. Um, I will say living in Ohio, something I, being from Ohio, something I always find funny is like, when it's like, it's probably like hits 30 degrees, you know, after winter, men, for some reason, I don't know what the hell this is, is like basketball shorts and like hoodies. And they're finally like, oh, yes. Hundred percent. It's a thing for males, and it is. It is very much a thing. I uh, two. I have a lot of family out in Ohio. They live in uh, Cincinnati. A couple of them live in like Uh um, the Athens area. But yeah, as as soon as it it gets like what is is really cold to us in Maryland, 
like yeah, 30 degrees right. they're yeah they're wearing their basketball shorts and hoodies and sometimes even yeah. their their slide flip-flops with uh yes, yes with um yes. Uh, <laughs> with socks and it's just like you yeah. are what is wrong Indeed. with you yeah Let's you're listen. crazy yeah yeah yeah, that is definitely a thing that I always find funny. Actually, and then on that note, uh, Virginia is very interesting. So, you know, being from Ohio and Cleveland, I'm by the lake. So I'm used to lake effect snow, which is legitimately like four or five feet snow. Oh, yeah. So, like, snow was nothing to me uh, growing up there my whole life. And I moved to Virginia, and I've been here like four years. And the first two years, we got snow i would consider normal snow like maybe like two inches and mm-hmm. the whole city shut down oh like yeah they we, freak out yeah we freak out on the east coast oh yeah nobody can drive right so like, no. you'll see people like left over on the side of the road or yep. like they'll ride ass you know and you're like okay it is literally pure ice because there's no fucking salt around here like stop chill yep. you know so anyway yeah people can't drive uh the whole city shuts down all this sidewalks are literally pure ice they use sand which seems so stupid to me but okay like sand i don't know if that melts i don't really know but yeah they use sand on the sidewalks and mm-hmm. so and they don't have, um what do you call it the things that remove snow i can't think snow of like big on you know on the thank you <laughs> they use um like tr- like tractor trucks with like or you'll see people with like literal citizens with big trucks is that not what you like, use in ohio I mean, we do, but the city does it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, they'll be doing, like, highways or, or like, city streets. I yeah. used to, like, the city, they're out at 6 a.m. salting because they know it's happening. Well, Virginia, they wait until it dumps on you, and then everyone, like, we had a Jeep, um, you know, a couple of years ago, and my husband's literally going around pulling people out of their cars, like, pulling them out with, like, um... I don't know what you call them, but like kind of rope that he would attach to mm-hmm. the back of the, not rope, you know, um, like a strap. And yeah, toe straps. Like a hundred, yeah, yeah, exactly. And he made a couple hundred dollars doing that because people were so nice. Like, here, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, those are quirky or weird for me about Virginia. <laughs> awesome. Perfect. Hmm. So, real quick before we shut this down, um, you're from Cleveland. Are uh, you? Uh, are we gonna go there? We're gonna go there. Okay. Are you a Browns fan? Oh yeah. I mean, everyone asks me that. You kind of have to be. So I am by like proxy of that, just because I live there and it's like a religion. Um, like it's weird. It's really weird. And so I am. I I have to admit, I really don't follow sports that much. But living with my grandma, she's the funniest. She lives, she's 80 years old and screams at the TV. Like, I mean, like, like a drunk old man at a game, like, so I kind of watched it because of her, but yeah, I am. I am. It's hard to explain. It's like a cult thing. It is. I mean, it has (laughs) to be because it's, it's, you're not getting much reward from it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. That was total Baltimore shade. I apologize. Oh, you're fine. No, you're fine. I'm just funny. Um, speaking of like drinking, I think part of it, I do have good memories. So you would say it, right? Like, we, we, I've done, you know, football games before, and I'm not, I don't have money, so I always get the shitty seats. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you're freezing your ass off, and so mm. you just get drunk. Like, all of you feel Yeah. Everybody's hammered at the game. That's I mean, a, yeah, that sounds like a, a Cleveland Browns fan for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
For all our Cleveland Brown fans out there listening, we apologize. We don't mean to throw <laughs> we don't mean to throw shade at you, but we are we are Raven we are Ravens fans on this podcast. So if you if, okay, 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 we're used to it. Yeah. All right. You have a final question, Eric? No, no, that was my final question. That was it. Do mm-hmm. we have any any Instagram or Twitter question? No, not this week. All right. Well, we would like to thank our guest Christina for joining us this evening. And um, Christina, where can yeah. our listeners find you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at C, and then my last name, Kimbrough, it's kind of long, it's K-I-M as in man, C as in boy, R-O-U-G-H, and just the number one. And then I have a website, just my first name, Christina, with a C-H, Kimbrough.com. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, here at Podcast Recovery, we are aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction. We work to bring the message of recovery to every addict, wherever and whenever it is needed. We believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and at the touch of a button. Every addict deserves to hear a message of hope, and Podcast Recovery is here to provide it. All right, everybody, I'm going to turn it over to Eric with our media statement. What have you got? Well, uh, let's see if I can do this the same way I did it last time. Oh. You know, where here at Podcast Recovery, uh, we are fully self-supporting. So we need your support in order to keep the mics on. Yes. Oh, yeah. There it you is. You like that? Love it. Um, so you can, in the description below, click on the nice link that says Patreon and become a member of our home group where you can support us in bringing new content you guys each and every week or throw some money in the digital basket with our venmo or paypal pages um also please like subscribe follow tweet comment you know that whole thing with youtube facebook instagram twitter and anywhere else you find podcast recovery Mm -hmm. and for more information about eric carly ally and myself go to podcastrecovery.com but most importantly everybody out there stay safe and stay clean